this is the second episode uh, I'll be making for the deceitfulness of riches. The first time I spoke about this, there were some things that I did not tackle. Now I'm going to tackle them. I remember having gone through the first episode. I, I took us to the book of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. something I want to show you in verse 15 but before we go back to Matthew there's something I want to show you in verse 15 Luke chapter 12 verse 15 Jesus was speaking here when the man who met him said oh good master oh master speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me verse 15 Jesus was answering him Bible says and he said unto them Take heed, beware of confessiousness, confessiousness, confessiousness. The word confessiousness, it means desires, it means worries, it means lust. Does this ring a bell? Confessiousness. Do you remember how James was beginning to explain to us how sin originated? And how the finished product is death, and also explaining to us how temptation is not of God, but it originated from lust. He says, Lust when conceived. Beware of confessiousness. The word confessiousness is synonymous to lust, desires, worries. So Jesus was saying, Beware of these desires. For a man's life consists in none of the abundance of things that he possesses. So beware of these desires. Beware of these worries. Beware of these things. Your life does not consist of these things. What you possess is not what your life consists of. So beware of them. That seems very easy for him. It's very easy. So it was just just a simple, just a simple you know, the explanation. Jesus made it so simple for everybody to get a point. Confessiousness. He says, beware. Take heed. Take heed and beware of confessiousness. Desires. Lost. For what? For worldly possession. The word confessiousness means desires to possess something. Worries. Now, let me take us back to the book of Matthew. Which we get from chapter 13. I want exactly to read from verse 18 so we would get exactly the point it is that Jesus was standing here in the parable of the sower. He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Verse 19, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. That this is he which received the seed by the wayside. Verse 20, But he that received the seed into the stony place, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. 
yet had not moved in himself but endured it for a while. For when tribulations or persecution arise because of the word, by and by he is offended. Now he came and said, This is he also that received the seed amongst the thorns. Is he that heareth the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choked the word, and it became, and he became unfruitful. So whenever you hear the word, you're meant to be fruitful. But you see, the the the, the covetousness, the desires, let me call it covetousness because it, it actually carries out, you know, it it confines everything in the point where Jesus was speaking here. The deceitfulness of riches is in covetousness. The cares of the world is in covetousness. So covetousness made him who had received the word not to be fruitful. The Bible didn't say he made the word unfruitful. He said he made him that had received the word to be unfruitful. Verse 22. He also that received seed among the thorn is he that heareth the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word that he became unfruitful. Imagine the cares, imagine the worries choking the word, which means it kills the word inside of you. Whenever the word comes, it's meant to be fruitful, it's meant to bear fruit, it's meant to become fruitful, it's meant to be in you. You know, it's meant to, to create or to turn in you an everlasting water of life. But the cares of this world chokes it. Now, Matthew, he did not say that um, the keys come on your own. They come by desires. They come by desires. The keys of those world. Oh, what should I wear? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Am I going to do this? So Jesus was telling them, this thing chokes, he chokes the word, he kills it. He doesn't make it to be fruitful. You cannot be fruitful in the world. Whenever there is care or deceitfulness in the sight, wherever there is covetousness, let me just confide it in the exact terms. You can't be fruitful in the world. You now, this answers a question to so many questions. This answers this answers the question of so many people. You've been wondering why the word hasn't been working for you. It's because of the cares of the world. Because of the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of desires. The deceitfulness of thought. I understand what is on your mind right now. What you want to say is, how can these things stand against the word of God? Now, do you remember what James said in the book of James chapter 1? He says, for when lost is conceived, when these desires are conceived. See, it is one thing for you to, you know, for you to lust, for you to desire something. And it's another thing for it to be conceived. You know, my former podcast, I was explaining to us that Jesus actually wanted to eat. So that means he actually wanted food. He lost it for food, but he did not conceive it. It is when it is conceived. It is when it is conceived 
then he draws you out. But as long as it is not conceived, if it just remains an ordinary thought, it just comes out, it just pops out in your mind, and then you just swing it off. As Paul was speaking in the book of 2 Corinthians, he said, then being ready, be ready, you know, to enforce all disobedience, to correct all disobedience when your obedience is complete. So what is he saying? Jesus, you know, Jesus' obedience was complete. So he was able to correct the disobedience of the, the loss that was trying to come up from his mind. There is a point, the cares of this world. Does this now let you understand why I was saying God didn't kill Jesus, but the Holy Spirit didn't lead Jesus to be tempted in the wilderness? No. The devil was trying to bring up something in him as a flesh that he was. As flesh that he was. Come on, how can you stay 40 days without eating 20 days? It's God. Come on, what's wrong with you? Eat something. What are those? They were kids of the world. They were trying to choke the word. To make it a fruitful in him. But his obedience was complete. So he could stand against the disobedience of the Lord. So you're wondering why he overcame? Because his obedience was complete. The deceitfulness of riches. Imagine the word of God being choked inside of you. Imagine the word of God being choked inside of you. The word that gives it life. Imagine an ordinary desire. Imagine an ordinary lust. I call them ordinary because they are a figment of your imagination. You were imagining it. Jesus is saying these things choke the word. They give it out. They don't let you prosper. They don't let you be fruitful in the word. And the word of God is life. So as long as you keep thinking about it, you can't get this life. You're busy worrying from one point to the other. And you're praying here with worries. And you're thinking to yourself, why is it God isn't answering me? Because you're choking the word. The word is expected to make you fruitful. Paul was speaking to the people. He says, put on the full armor of God. And then when he started listing the armor, he said, "Now the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. Now explaining what the sword of the spirit is, which is the word of God. So when you're choking the word, how do you expect the manifestation to be? How do you expect the manifestation to be? This scripture makes you understand that God, God's word has the ability to create in you anything you have, any kind of mindset, whatever you want. The word of God has the ability to create it inside of you, but your worrying jokes it out. Your worrying kills it out. God does not come to do it for you. His word is there to give it to you. But your worries and you know the lust and desires. What am I gonna wear today? What am I gonna put on? What will I eat? Come on, I lost my job yesterday. So how can I cope? Dear, I haven't paid my children's school fees for over two terms now. So how can I do this? And I don't really have no money on me. 
So what can I do? How, what is the way forward? And you're with the word of God and you're reading it day and night. This worries the Bible. Jesus was saying it is killing the word. It is choking the word. So the word in you is expected to make you fruitful. It's expected to make you be produce fruit. But these desires kill it. They choke it out. They choke it out. They don't let this the word, they don't let it spring forth into fruitfulness to bring forth life, to bring forth abundance. And you're looking up to God and asking Him why. I mean, you know, God is also looking to you and saying, Stop worrying. These things are something that would have been settled a long time ago if you can stop worrying. And you're busy praying to God and say, Lord, I ask you to provide my child's school fees. I don't know what is happening. Yeah, I don't know why you are not answering me. What is it that I've done wrong? If I sin, Lord, I am sorry. And God is saying it's not about sin. Stop worrying about it. Let the word be fruitful in you. The fruitfulness of the word takes care of the worries you have. The fruitfulness of the word takes care of the worries you have. Imagine a man. The man. Imagine this man that came to Jesus. Having done all of the things that the word said. Having kept all of the commandment and everything. He kept them all from his youth. He kept them all without the flaw. He didn't have a flaw in him. You know, he was conscious that he was keeping them. He was conscious that he wasn't alright. He was still wondering why the word of God is of no effect because of the deceitfulness of riches. This man had kept the word right from the time of his youth. You know, when he came to Jesus, he said, Good master. Jesus looked at him and he said, uh, why are you calling me good? No one is going except the Father. He said, oh, yeah, I understand the point. Now, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments? You know, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not... Jesus was not even done talking and he just cut him off and said, oh, all of those things have been doing it from my youth. So he was ready. He came prepared. But something was missing. Something was strongly wrong in him. You know, he was fast sold into the cares of the world. Jesus looked at him and said, one thing is just one thing left. There is just one thing that you need to do. Just one thing left. Go, sell everything you have. Give it a pull. Come, follow me. The Bible says that the man was downcast. You know why? Because he was fast sold in the cares of this world. How can you be of the kingdom when all you care about is this world? Jesus was saying, sell it all. Lay off all the cares of the world. Come and follow me so you can be fruitful in the word. And the man went away. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Now brought forward a statement, Jesus said, Oh, how hard is it for the rich man again that the kingdom of God and the disciples were looking at him and the one that they just said, Oh, if that is it, then who then can be saved? Jesus looked at him and said, Oh, with man is impossible, but none is impossible with God, for with God all things are possible. What was he saying? He said, Oh hard it is for a rich man 
a rich man to get into the kingdom because he was fast sold in the cares of the world. Everything he cares about was something of the world. Oh, how can I make this 10 million to turn, you know, 40 million? How can I make this 40 million dollars to turn 100 million? He was fast sold in, you know, the deceitfulness of riches. That is all that he was interested in. Now, this explains why God called the rich man that Jesus gave the parable of here a fool. Said, Thou fool, for this very night thy soul shall be required of thee. You know why he was far sold in the cares of this world? It kills the fruitfulness of the word. The word in you is expected to bear fruit, it's expected to bring forth fruit. And this fruit is expected to take care of all of the wants and all of the desires. Even David saw it. And by the Spirit, he professed it out the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. What was he saying? He was laying aside all of the cares of the world. And this even did when the covenant was not yet perfect. And we have gotten more perfect covenant. And we're still yoked in thinking about, oh, what should I wear? How can I do this? That business, I want to do it, but I don't have enough money. Then I want to travel abroad for this and this, but I don't know how this going to be. Because uh, I don't know, I, I just don't qualify. I don't think that they will stamp my passport. Or you stand up, oh, this, the rent of this place is about expiring. I don't have the money. What can I do? What is God saying? He says, stop worrying. Let the word inside of you become fruitful. Paul was saying we walk by faith and not by sight. So what is faith? The fruitfulness of the word in you. So Jesus also explained what Paul was trying to say. What is faith? The fruitfulness of the word inside of you is what we walk by. Is what we walk in. Forget everything you see. For everything you see is just going to create more and more of the cares of this world. Imagine what, see, listen, going through the Bible, I tend to understand something very important about the scriptures. The Bible stated it out clear, all of the writers down from Paul to James, even Jesus. Everything they spoke about is something that affects us as, as you know, children of God. Things that draws us back. And these are things that we see in our everyday lives. And yeah, we read the word, but yet still we don't change. We can't tackle it at the joist to the side of God. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. So by faith, you overcome the world and you're still busy thinking, oh, um, I don't know how this stuff is going to come through. I just don't know. I've been thinking about it for a whole month. Come on, and you are a Christian. The word of God inside of you is meant to bring out fruit. It is fruitful. It's meant to make you fruitful. The Bible didn't say, verse 13, listen, the Bible never said, never at any point did it say that the word in you, the word that you receive, let's go back to the scripture, verse 13, verse 22, he says, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word. And he 
not the word this time. The, the person that heard the word became unfruitful. The he there is the one who heard the word became unfruitful. Why? Because of the cares of the world. He choked the word. He killed it. He didn't let it to bring forth fruit. Desire is lost. And this now takes us back to James. This now takes us back to James. The book of James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. I would like to read from verse 13. I just like reading from verse 13 whenever I come to the book of James or whenever I want to draw reference for what James wrote here. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man with temptation. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It is one thing to be drawn by the lust. It is another thing to be enticed by it. And James then stated, he did state it very clearly here. He said, when he is drawn away by lust, his own, not of God. The lust is not of God. It's yours. Those thoughts, they are yours. They are not of God. So quit saying God was tempting me. Quit saying God doesn't want me to be okay. Quit saying God did not provide the rain for me. This is not of God. God provided it for you, but you did not let the word to become fruitful in you. You didn't let the word to be fruitful in you. So the word of made it was made without effect. The keys of this world, the deceitfulness, all the things around you choked the word out. You didn't let it be fruitful in you. You couldn't be fruitful in the word because you were thinking of something else. Let's, let's go a little bit downwards so we can see exactly what James was saying here. He says, But every man is standing when he's drawn of his own lust and entire. For when lust had conceived. What? He said, When it had been conceived. So when you were drawn out, it is not yet conceived. But when you were enticed, it is now yet conceived. It is now conceived. That's when it is conceived. And when it is conceived, it brings it for sin. Now, this is the reason why the word was choked out. Because this desire, covetousness, brings forth sin. The cares of this world bring forth sin. Why do you think we have am troubles? Just because of the cares of this world. Why do you think we have people who do wrong because of the cares of this world? And the world is vanishing away. Things are changing. And you're caring about the world. And you're looking out at God. You prayed every day. Oh God, I told you to give me a shoe. And you didn't bring it out. And all of my friends are going to be wearing this shoe. Oh no. Why is it every day I pray to you? That comes forth. Is it that I'm doing something wrong? If I haven't done anything wrong, if it was causing me, Lord, please have mercy on me. And God is saying none of those things are what you did. The problem is the thought of your heart. You need to change it. Stop worrying about this stuff. Stop worrying about anything at all. You know what the Bible says? Be careful for nothing. This, that statement was very good. It was very powerful. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, be careful for nothing. For nothing? So he says, be carefree. Don't be, be careful for nothing. What was he saying there? What was Paul trying to say? What was he saying there? 
He was saying, think thought about nothing. Don't bring worrying about anything. But with thanksgiving, but with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Don't think thoughts about it, but do it with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. You're busy thinking about it. You sit down and think about it from morning till the evening, period, and you're still thinking about it. And people look at you, you look so pale, and you're still thinking thought about it. You're still hurrying yourself about it. Jesus was speaking to the people in this same book of Luke, like I said in the first episode. He said, which of you, by thinking thoughts, can add a single cubit to your stature? Luke 12, can add a single cubit to your stature? Which of you, by, if ye cannot do this thing which is least, why are you taking thought? Stop this thing. It's choking the word. It's choking the word. So the word of God comes to make us fruitful. The word of God comes to make us fruitful. It brings forth fruit. It makes you become fruitful in everything you do. Jesus was fruitful. He was fruitful. He never allowed anything to be, you know, to bring this care, this desire in him, even when he wanted to be killed. He knew he wanted to be killed. So he went down to pray with his disciples. And as they were praying, he told them, Oh, you pray here, and I'm gonna just gonna go front a little bit and I'm gonna pray. And then when he went front, he prayed, he came back, he found him sleeping. He, he you know, he woke them up and told them, Hey, you pray, come on, pray. Pray. And then he spoke to them again and went forward, he came back, and then he, he saw him sleeping and woke them and he said, Oh, right, listen, this is not what is happening. He says, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What is he trying to say that the spirit is willing to do it, but in the flesh is now pushing me to the gears of this world? How can I lay myself on the cross? So this was to tell this was to tell you that Jesus Christ was flesh. So he had those inkling in him. So what did he do? He silenced the weakness of the flesh by giving into the willingness of the spirit. He didn't conceive it. He wasn't enticed by it. He wasn't enticed by it. That is a problem. It's not that God cannot do it. Sometimes I hear people pray, say, oh God, arise and do something for me. He has done it already. Stop thinking, thought about it. So the word can be fruitful in you. God does not heal you the day you begin to pray and say, Oh God, heal me of this sickness. No. He doesn't. He has healed you many. He provided for your healing millions of years ago. All you need to do is just for you to turn yourself and be aligned to the position of the healing and you will get it. And what position is that? The word. Whenever the word comes, he makes you fruitful. But you have to accept it. The deceitfulness of riches. You're busy thinking about, I bought this car, uh, 130 million naira. So how, how, how you want me to give it to you? So this is a seed to you. Come on, man, be real. Kids of this world. Kids of this world. So Jesus was telling him, he said, come, this is not what I want you to do. Now, I don't want you to lay your treasures for yourself on this earth where moths and rust and all of the thieves who break in and take it, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. 
You know why? Because if your treasures are there, you will only be concerned about the affairs of the kingdom, the affairs of that realm, of the heaven realm. So everything you do shall be on the basis of a word and you will always remain fruitful. But when you continuously, you know, lay up treasures for yourself here, you will be let out. You'll be let out. By covetousness, you know, the spirit you want to possess this, you want to get this, you want to get that, you want to get this. And you're thinking about it and thinking and thinking towards and thinking. You're thinking and thinking and thinking. And you're still praying, oh God, answer me. And the worst part is you're praying and you're crying. And God is saying, stop crying and stop taking this door. You're making me look wicked. This isn't me. This healing is not supposed to have taken this long. Stop thinking about it. Come on, you are healed. Allow the word to be fruitful in you. Stop thinking about how you're going to pay for the school fees. Come on, relax. How you providing? Even, even David saw it. Even David saw it. And he spoke by the Spirit. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. What? Many years ago, I was I was ministering to the congregation of the church that I worked with in Patakot, and I was the, I told him I want to explain this prayer, the, the, the you know the the prayer that David did pray in the book of Psalms, chapter twenty-three. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is in charge. The Lord is the key. I shall not want means he had provided every of my need that I am not even in want. Because for you to be in want, it means all your needs are met. We always have needs before we have one. You cannot say, I need, I, I want air to survive. That statement isn't right. What you will say is, I need air to survive because it is essential. So he was saying, oh, God has provided all my need. I don't even have one because he's my shepherd. You seen this? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. Fruitfulness. He makes him to be fruitful. And that is what Jesus was saying. He says this, this desire is choked. It choked the fruitfulness that you were meant to be. Are you looking for a healing? Stop thinking about what the doctor said. The word of God is going to create it inside of you. All you need to do is whenever you think about something wrong, just meditate on the word. Proceed the Lord. The word is effective. I said this before and I'm saying it again. The word is effective. The word is effective to have been... I'm not telling you, I'm not going to say there have been so many testimonies of, you know, people uh, I've heard now. So many testimonies have amounted from, from ministering the word to people. I mean, personally, personally. I just don't say it because I know God is glorified in it. But what is the essence of telling you of the testimonies when you can create your own testimony? Allow the word to have a place to soak inside of your life. 
there isn't much to do just meditate on the word and let all the cares and all the thoughts and every new one arise up in you you gotta silence them Jesus was saying they make the word they make the word in you not to have effect they choke it out they kill it imagine the word being choked by your thoughts your own thoughts so God Jesus was saying it is not of God you were the reason why these things are happening if you want to change then stop stop the things you're doing stop taking this thought let loose of covetousness set it out so it's made for you to correct it stop blaming God for something he's already settled in you the cares of this world will only get you unwept in desires and lust that will lead to sin. And once you are led in that track, you'll be hardened by the deceitfulness. This time not, not of riches. You'll be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You're following the track, you won't really understand this. I'm going to explain it in a way you understand. You're thinking, told the Lord, how am I going to do this? And the Duran is aspiring. How am I going to do this? I don't really understand. I have a need for this. I have to do this. I have a, I have a need for this. I need to get this. I need to get this. Suddenly, you just see an opportunity to do it just arising. Oh, my God. Something came up. You see, there is this bank that we have linked now to Rob. It's an insider job. And everything is legit. Now, it's just a go in and go out stuff. There is not going to be much security there because... You know, it's 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 a non-working day for the bank, so we're just going to go in, break in, and take all the money, and we're going to go out. And you just click to it. What you do? What have you just done? You've been let out by these desires, and you go for the bank robbery, and it was successful. You came back. You are hardened now. This time, not by the deceitfulness of riches. That one is past. It is by the deceitfulness of sin. So the deceitfulness of riches leads you to the deceitfulness of sin because of covetousness. You continuously, you know, the first time you, you, were, you, were, you, know, you were being introduced to the business, now the second time you're going to be the one who's going to be introducing the business to the people who introduced it to you the first time. So you're just going to say that, oh man, since after we robbed the bank, we haven't gone out for another hit. But I got something, I think this is going to be very, very good. Um, there was a man he just came he just came back from he just came into the country now and what I heard he's loaded he came in with enough cash so much money he came in with dollars man so this is what I want us to do let's just you know arrange yourselves and break into the house it's just gonna be a clean job it's an insider job now our sources from the inside says it's going to be in by six so this is what we're going to do we're going to trace him from outside and we're going to go with him into the building. Are you seeing what is happening now? You've been let out and you're hardened by it. This time, not the deceitfulness of riches anymore. That one is past. You are now enwrapped in it. You were enticed. You are, you know, you've now conceived it. And as long as you've conceived it, this thought coming, this thought coming, this thought coming, nobody. Nobody's just going to see any God is saying, come on, let this thing loose. He'll send it out. Send it out. This thing is taking you up. It's taking you down the drain. And you'll just go in and go in and go in suddenly. Before you know it, you hit the point where 
you now come back to the reality of things. Maybe you got caught. Or maybe you were short. And maybe you even survived for a period of some seconds. You'll be thinking about, how did I get here? You know, one of the most annoying questions I find people asking, whenever they are led in this course, or whenever something likewise or something happened, people don't blame their actions. They don't see any wrong in themselves. And this is annoying. You orchestrated the all works, and God was all the time telling you, stop this. No, this you're doing isn't wrong. This isn't right. This is wrong. And you're still going on with it, and you're feeling fly. You know, you're just feeling, oh, yeah, I'm good. This is yeah, this is amazing. This is cute. Wow, man, this I, this is this is awesome, man. This is whoa. I I just can't. I, wow, this is this is amazing. And God was saying, no, no, don't do this. All the time you were still going on your own accord by what the lost of your heart and covetousness. And then when you were led and led, and then you come to the point where you come back to the reality. Maybe you were caught or something happened. Immediately you see you ask, oh God, why? What? You took the word inside of you. You killed the effectiveness of the word, the effectiveness of the word of God in you. You killed it by your thoughts. And you, now after you've been led inside of it, you're coming back to ask God why you did this thing that you did. Come on. Everyday people are blaming God. Oh God, why did this happen? Oh God, why did that happen? Oh God, why did this happen? Check your check your decisions. Check check the things you decided. Where's your heart sending it? Where's your heart sending it? Where is it sending it? The word can never stop being fruitful. But as long as you allow the word to be fruitful, it becomes fruitful in you. No, the word cannot stop making you fruitful until you choke it out. It could not stop making you fruitful until you choke it out. The parable of the sowers, even the ones that fell on the stony ground, or the ones that fell on the grounds with thorns. Bible says when persecution arose, or persecution arose, and you know, they were offended, so they had to go. You see what was happening there? It was still for the cares of the world. They were offended. So they had to turn. They couldn't just stand the persecution. Who are out? You know, he's a fool for saying he is a Christian. You know, let him be just go, please. I don't really understand. How can you? Come on, man. What are you saying? They were offended. They didn't allow the word to be of effect in them, so they were offended and they were let out. See, there's one thing that the devil is so good at. I tell people, see, the devil doesn't, he does not even tempt you. He can't tempt you. He doesn't tempt you. This is what he does. He sends up ploys. He sets up orchestration. He sends out desires. He makes, you know, he creates ideas. And these ideas in you now bring up this temptation. These ideas in you bring up this temptation when you were enticed by it. You were conceived. And once you were conceived, you were enwrapped in it. You continue to go. You continue to go. You continue to go. Now, let me put it away. I got from 
A lady, she said this in a movie. And this actually seemed so true. It seems so true. In the movie, God's not dead. This, that old lady, she says, it's a scene is like a jail cell. And it's so nice and comfortable, there seems not to be a need for you to leave. You know? And suddenly, one day, the cell door just slams shut. And you're trying to go, but you can't go out anymore. Because the cell door has been shut. But all the while that you were inside and you were feeling the comfortability of seeing the door was open. So now when you came to consciousness, oh no, 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 that is an amnum as well. The cell door slams shut. And suddenly you went trapped. You can't go anymore. There's a point you see some Christian are going to, there's some people that are going to be asking, oh God, why? Why does that happen? Why does that happen? Why does that happen? Why does, you see, the problem with people are, see, they never want to, they never want to see, or they never see anything wrong with what they do. They all seeing things wrong with what God does. I only, I only know who gave them the ideology that God met us in the things of man. Jesus said, my father has been working till now. So in essence, what he was trying to say is, come. This was not Jesus saying now. He said when he came, he said, my father has been working till now, which means the father is no longer working. I am the one doing the work now. I'm the one working right now. The father has been working till I came. So I'm the one doing the work now. So Jesus all did the work until we came. So we are the ones as a Christian. You possess the spirit of Christ in you. You are the one doing the work now. That's why Jesus said, "Is a glorified the Son that the Son may be glorified in the Father." Do you see this? Glorify the Son. That the Son may be glorified in the Father. So the glory abided in the Son. He was doing the work. So what continuously as you do the work of God. You are glorifying the Father. Through the Son. Hence Jesus was saying glorify the Son. That the Son may glorify the Father. So we are the ones doing the work now. Because we abide in Christ. So we abide in the glory of the Father. Hence. The power that is embedded in you as a Christian is enormous. If only the eyes of our understanding to be open to see what it is that God has given to us, we'd be amazed. We'd be amazed. So we abide in the glory of God. And yet you're, you're still standing there to accuse God of things. I don't really understand how people think. You know, they think God to be, you know, this very mighty being, and he still stands to say, um, no, th this guy, this this guy, does, he doesn't work well, so let's just take him out. Um, uh, sit there and kill him, kill him, kill him. Or, or, or don't worry, I'll kill him. And God just holds your neck and he just, you know, he breaks it. And you're dead. That's how people see God. And, and then the next morning he wakes up and then and maybe you did something wrong. As a Christian, you did something you were not supposed to do. And then suddenly, you know, people people think God to be, if you do something wrong, God is just going to, you know, hold your neck and break your prim. Say, oh, well, the angels of God are going to ask him, or Jesus will ask him, oh, Father, why did you break his neck? Oh, he's a sinner, he's a sinner. God is just going to tell Jesus, oh, he's a sinner. Then in God. And so you're getting the wrong ideology of God. 
Vacation pour foi mal. Sin does not make God hate you. Now, sin doesn't make him hate you. He makes him love you the more. Maybe I will say this. I'm, I'm going to do a second episode of this particular topic. Sin does not make God hate you. He makes him love you the more. And even Jesus did say it. Remember the parable of the prodigal son. The Bible says that when the father saw the son, he said, "Come, bring the best robe and put on him. Kill the fattest of the rams." And he threw a very mighty party. So my son was dead, but now he's alive. He makes him love you the more. So why is he going to kill you when he loves you the more? Which now brings us to a question: Why do people die in sin? This is not the exact topic I'm talking about now, but maybe I'll do an, a second episode of this particular topic that I did on first. Why do people die in sin? Because they are enwrapped, they are enwrapped in it. But as you are in sin, God loves you even the most. He loves you even more than you expect. He loves you even greater than what you even can envision. Greater is the love of God to you. Even Jesus said, "See, come now. See, all they that are well do not even need a. They, they don't need a physician. It's only they that are sick that need a physician. So the love of God is available to everybody. But He loves you more, even as a sinner. He loves you more. So the love of God abides more to them than the sinners. Let me put it that way." So we have the wrong ideology of God. No, they're just going to think him to be one very mean ruler. If you do some wrong, it just kills you. God does not kill any man. Don't let anybody tell you God kills. Oh, God will kill you and you will die. Come on, no, that ain't God. That ain't God. He doesn't kill you. See, the ideology of God is for you to have life and have it abundantly. That is the essence of why He created man so we could live in His deed, in His glory. Right from the time of Genesis, the Bible made it clear. See, created man and he put inside the garden of Eden. He gave him everything he ever wanted. The man was in the garden, but in the garden, the Bible says God gave man something, this creation, this oh, sorry, He gave man discretion, and that is something that God respects so much. You have to choose. You have to choose. That is something that God gave to us, the ability to choose. He gave it all of his being. Even angels have the ability to choose. But that isn't what I'm talking about. Maybe I'll come back to this topic in another podcast. But what I'm talking about is, if it's nothing that you want, that God doesn't give it to you. He's all in His Word. Once you accept the Word, it becomes fruitful. Jesus was saying it here. He was saying it here. So we need to let loose of all of the stored and desires that we send ourselves, and it's all trying to make the word of God be of not effect. It's trying to make the word of God be of you know less effect. It's trying to choke the word. Don't put it away. Jesus did put it. Chokes the word. Imagine choking the word of God. Jesus met the woman. This married woman was at the well. We told her, "Give me, I need just give me a cup to drink." And the woman was saying, oh, "How come you?" Asking me of water being a Samaritan woman, Jesus said, "If you know who it is that asks thee of, of uh, water to drink, you'd have asked that I give you the living water." 
What is the living water? Is the word that inside of you will bear fruit, will make you fruitful to an extent you can never be fruitless anymore. The Bible says Jesus was set in a position where there was the people were many, five thousand men, five breads and two fishes, and he was fruitful. He didn't think of it. He didn't, he didn't, you know, he wasn't let out to desires or thought. He envisioned everything to God. Now, this now brings us to what Paul said. This now brings us to what Paul said. He said, be careful for nothing. So Jesus was careful for nothing. But with thanksgiving, Father, thank you for this food. The Bible said he broke the bread. And he told the disciples, tell those people to sit down. And the disciples told the people, oh, you are. He said, everybody should sit down in 50s. So they all sat in 50s. And now he broke the bread and he broke it and he broke it and broke it. So the disciples gave it to them to eat. They gave it to them and gave it to them and gave it to them. You know, they ate and ate and ate. And everybody was satisfied. And there were baskets more of leftovers. The people remains. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't careful about anything. He didn't take thought about anything. Your life could be that miraculous. If only you set loose of this lust and desires that the devil would have set in the eyes of people to see. God bless you. I've been mean evangelist Peter. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you once again.